Welcome and thanks for listening to the Charlotte Dads Group Podcast, number one rated dads podcast in Charlotte, North Carolina. We are once again using Zencaster for approved social distancing. On today's episode, we welcome a special guest, Rob Ainbinder of PitmasterRob.com. Rob is a master barbecuer, meat extraordinaire, and friend. Rob has been barbecuing for over 20 years and has a wealth of knowledge around the grill and the smoker. Rob, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, man. Uh, so uh, tell us a little bit about your cooking and barbecue history. When did you get started? Yeah, well, the inspiration for me to get started was my mom, as a single mom, um, one winter when we had this massive blizzard up in the Northeast, 78, um, had this little Weber Smoky Joe, and she cooked a steak out on this porch um, with no railing. And um, I don't know, just that stuck with me kind of my whole life and sort of inspired me. And eventually, um, eventually I got wind of kind of Texas barbecue and understanding all of that and started cooking on a smoker. Um, started grilling and then started cooking on a smoker about, yeah, like you said, about 20 years ago. That's crazy. So, the the first question that kind of comes to my mind is there's a Texas style, there's a Memphis style, there's a North Carolina style, there's all these different types of styles of cooking. Yeah. Can you describe what those are? Yeah, I mean, there's even different styles of cooking around the globe. I mean, that's crazy. When, yeah, when we when when you and and you know you could go into the whole archaeology of it and see where these different cultures kind of embraced grilling over direct flame or indirectly in um in a pit that the food was wrapped in leaves and then covered with dirt um you've got this kind of wealth of different traditions around the globe yeah. and and you know where what we see happening in the US in particular was that um you know the Texas tradition started mostly inspired in the oil fields. Um, there were these 55-gallon drums, a lot of them laying around because they haven't barreled, you know, barreled yeah. the oil yet. Yeah. And plenty of cattle hanging around. And I guess you'd cut a deal with the, you know, with the farmer or the cattle hand that was walking by with his herd. You, yeah. You'd break it down, slaughter it right there on site, Cut right. open this, you know, cut open his 55 gallon drum, maybe in half, and you'd start start cooking. Um, later, later, what happened in Texas is that these uh, immigrants um, from around, you know, Poland and, and all of those Eastern European countries came over and brought their sausage making traditions. This met up with kind of this tradition of cooking. And and what we see is that the early migrant workers from Mexico would go from farm to farm. They passed through town and this is when it was very segregated. They would be, they would go around back of the meat market and they would buy lunch essentially, which was sausage, some, some pickles, some raw white onion, maybe some brisket and some, some white bread. And wow. it was served on butcher paper. Uh, there weren't any, there weren't any forks, knives, or spoons, um, any utensils or plates given to these customers at that time. 
Um, and that's kind of the tradition of where the kind of the butcher paper came from. What okay. we, and what we see kind of happening around the same time was that, um, you know, indigenous people um, evolving their cooking habits and using what's around there. So in South Carolina, we saw, you know, them, a lot of hog farming happens, as you know, yep. in North and yep. South Carolina. So they awesome. would cook, yeah, they would cook hog and South Carolina evolved this tradition um, of a white sauce. In Alabama, it was a white, it, uh, um, a mustard-based sauce. In Alabama, it was a white sauce, and in yep. Georgia too. Um, yep. In North Carolina, we wound up having two traditions of cooking yep. pork: eastern, you know, eastern and western. western. You know, eastern based, yeah. tomato-based vinegar and vinegar sauce. Um, sorry, western was tomato-based and vinegar yep. sauce. Eastern, yep. pure vinegar-based yep. sauce. Um, which is, which you know, all of this barbecue talk. One is making me starve, <laughs> making me very hungry. Um, yeah. You know, we 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 love barbecuing here at our house, um, but there's yeah. there's nothing like supporting local barbecuers that that do this for a living, where they yeah. have restaurants stuff, whatever. Because I I've never been able to get my my brisket to look like theirs, taste like theirs, the juiciness, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, so that kind of leads, leads into the next question of what is your favorite meat to cook with? Yeah, my, I, I, there's, I like to cook (laughs) all the meats. (laughs) I like to cook all, all the meats, you know? Yeah. At Rob's house, we have all the meats now because of where we are and the expense of it, beef is a little bit harder to come by in North Carolina than it is in other places. So a beef brisket can run you a pretty penny here in North Carolina. Um, but best deals can be had in like Costco or Sam's Club where you're looking for prime graded brisket if you're going to buy a brisket. Okay. There's no grading when it comes to pork. Pork is... Just pork. Pork is just pork. Um now, is there a difference between wild hog and farm-raised hogs? Sure. Um, like, does that hog, taste different? Ho- wild hogs will can tend to be a bit gamey in tasting, just like any wild game that you catch. Um, you know, I've I've read of some guys that have barbecued uh, wild game, and, um, and certainly that's that's an option. Um, my, um, my late, late wife's uncle was a, a big proponent because he came from one of those Eastern European countries of sausage making. And this would include, um, you know, this would include beef and deer made into sausages and, and he'd smoke them in his, his smokehouse. So the most challenging thing to cook is a brisket by far. Like if you're brand if you're brand new to cooking outside, don't attempt a brisket first. Start okay. with a pork butt, Boston butt. Cuz they're they're more forgiving? Absolutely. Way more way more forgiving. So basically, it's like the old Ronco food dehydrators, you just kind of set it and forget it. Well, <laughs> depends on what you're cooking. <laughs> depends on what well, you're cooking, specifically right? 
a, a, a Boston bud or a pork shoulder. You just kind of put it on there. Yeah. As long as you have a good, good smoke, you know, yep. kind of thing, whatever. Yeah. You can kind of let it do its thing for a while till it gets yeah. to, yeah. Get, till it gets up to temperature. Um, usually what, what, what we recommend, what I recommend is that you smoke it up to like 160, 165, then wrap it till it gets to 203, 205 and gets yeah. like probe tender, like, like butter. Like, yeah. like you stick now, a temperature probe in it and it wiggles. The Texas crutch. So Texas crutch would be wrapping with foil. Um, okay. We see, I like the results better when you wrap with peach butcher paper. It allows the food to breathe and for moisture to exchange oh. a little bit more. Um, okay. And this, this peach butcher paper can get on Amazon different okay. roll lengths and roll widths i'd say get get the widest width and get get an amount that you know you can deal with cuz the rolls can get really big um, yeah but it's a great yeah. way especially and and you know if if you're cooking something and you need to meet a deadline you can always wrap it in foil or or butcher paper and crank up the heat a little bit more to kind of rush the cook a little bit, you know, okay. be, you know, the goal is to get it, get a good smoke on it first three ish hours. And if you like how it's looking, then you want to lock that in by wrapping it and then cook from there. Okay. Some people cook the entire time in the open smoke and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Uh, it's just a matter of if you've got time, if you've got the fuel, you know, maybe your brute, maybe your family's getting hungry. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you've been around <laughs> my family too much. <laughs> right. Yeah, I might know a thing or two about cooking for your family. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So, so let's 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 bring this kind of to a to a climax about talking about dads and if they're. A, if there's a dad listening to the, 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 to the Charlotte Dads Group podcast um, and you're unfamiliar with grilling, you're unfamiliar with kind of smoking meats and stuff, but you're also, you don't really do a lot of cooking. Um, you may work outside the house and you have a seven to seven job. You come home and the food's already on the table and you're thankful and blessed that way. But there's there's some dads that, would love to be able to get behind a grill, get behind the oven. Yeah. Um, what, what type of suggestions and, and stuff would you, and tips and kind of trick tri yeah. tri tips and tricks of the trade is what right. I'm trying to say to get uh -huh. them out of their comfort zone to be able to help them out. some. I think, I think if, if I were a dad starting cooking today, I would kind of do like I did back when I started because I started with a charcoal grill and I would, I would get the best charcoal grill I could, I could buy. And no doubt there's a lot of information about using a Weber kettle grill to cook in a variety of ways. And so I would say as a first step, go out and get the biggest Weber kettle grill you can afford and, and go from there because the great thing about that is, yeah, you can do the traditional grilling over direct flame, but when you're ready, you can also set it up to cook indirectly. And yeah. 
the Weber website has a great, great articles on doing that and, and introducing, um, you know, wood chips and, and wood chunks to, to the fire. And then you can get a feel for what it's like to, to cook indirect or barbecue. Because I think that's something I want to help, help everybody understand is that grilling is not barbecuing and barbecuing is not grilling. Grilling refers to cooking over direct heat. Barbecuing is cooking using indirect heat. Yeah. So that must mean that, that when you say, or not you, but when, when, when people say, come over to our barbecue for July 4th, but you're having hamburgers and hot dogs, yeah. you, you get a little annoyed by that. Well, uh, you know, <laughs> I understand. I understand how it's come out, come in to be used that way. Yeah. Um, whether whether I makes me happy or not I, <laughs> is, is another thing. If they want to have me over and they want to grill grill a steak, burgers, dogs, chicken, yeah. whatever, I'm happy to join and you know bring some beer over. Um, yeah. But but yeah. know that um yeah know that there's more to grilling and barbecue than just yeah. a, than just a typical barbecue. Yeah. Yeah. So let's say say I'm that novice or not novice. I'm the beginner yeah. uh, that just bought a Weber charcoal grill. Um I've got a got a bag of briquettes. Yeah. Hopefully the right ones. Um then what? Yeah. Walking through kind of the kind of some of the tools that I'm mm-hmm. going to end up eating. Absolutely. Feed my family that lovely yeah. barbecue. Yeah. I think if you're going to start out um, with charcoal, um, I'd recommend lump charcoal. And I'd also char- start with a chimney starter. And okay. a chim- chimney starter allows you to start charcoal without lighter fluid. Um, okay. I tend to not like the the mass produced briquette charcoal because it has binders in it and and I know it's something a lot of us grew up with, you know, direct grilling with that blue and white bag of charcoal briquettes and lighter fluid gives me this taste, but once you cook with lump charcoal and and you understand that there's a flavor difference um, yeah. you don't look at those bags of mass produced charcoal much after that. Um, so, and so, what so I hear the, you saying is the, the lump charcoal does not have charcoal lighting fluid. That's already embedded in it. No, nope. that kind of that weird flavor. Yeah. And you don't use any lighter fluid to light it. All you use is this chimney starter and some yeah. crumpled up newspaper that you put up on underneath it. And if you want, you could put some cooking oil on that paper to kind of get the fire started. Oh, um, I didn't know. I didn't know that. Once you um once you once those coals have gotten going nice and red hot and, and ashen over, then you're ready to start cooking. So a couple of other things yep. you want to have on hand. You want to know what the temperature of the grill is. Um, that okay. that plays in a number of times as you advance and you cook in different ways. You want to know what the grate temperature is. So a thermometer of some kind that has a probe that has a clip that you can put on the grill grate is going to go a long way to te- help you 
kind of master your grilling that much faster. So would you recommend a digital thermometer for more accuracy? Yeah, a digital thermometer that has one or two probes to it, one that you can clip to a grate uh, so that you know what the temperature, because that's the only temperature that matters is the temperature at the grill grate. Okay. That temperature you get in the lid is virtually worthless because nobody cooks that high up in their grill usually. 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 Unless you've got a really full grill, then it might help to know that upper level yeah. um, temperature. Okay. But most grill manufacturers, for some reason, put these built-in thermometers at the top where they're virtually useless to you. Interesting. That's actually kind of frustrating because I just got a new grill slash smoker. And one of the things that I noticed right off the bat was this beautiful glass front that has a thermometer right smack dab in the middle of it. And the only time I see it moving, obviously, is is when it's really hot in there. When I put a probe inside of the meat, it's not even close. Right. And and what you want to do in that case is you want to get – a probe in a clip that they sell on Amazon or include with most remote thermometers. And, and that clip sits between two grates, two, two bars in the grate, grill grates. And then you put this probe through that clip and that will give you the ambient temperature at the grate. So the ambient temperature at the grate and then some, some grill tools. Now, I love to use grill tongs, spatula if you're doing burgers, um, you know, chicken. I can usually grab a chicken with a pair of tongs right through the opening in the bird between the legs. Um, okay. You know, that's. Now, now, do you smoke a whole chicken without yeah. like spot, spatch cocking it or however you call it? I've done it both ways. I've cooked, okay. I've smoked it whole and barbecued it. I've grilled it and spatch cocked it. And, okay. and both, you know, if, if you're in a rush, Spatchcocking it hands down is going to cook it faster. Okay. Because you're getting more bird. You're you're removing the airspace from the cavity of the bird and you're pushing it down flat so it has more contact with the grill. So spatchcocking is better for direct grilling. Um, when you have the whole bird, whether it's chicken or turkey, yeah. you're probably best served by cooking it indirect. Okay, in its whole form, not spatchcocking it. Okay, now are you able to spatchcock and smoke a, a chicken or a turkey? Like, yeah, like is can, that you can spatchcock any poultry? Okay, okay. Yeah, if you want to, you want spatchcock or turkey for Thanksgiving dinner? Yeah, you certainly could. What I'd okay. do for turkey is I'd probably brine it if if it's an all natural bird and doesn't have. A solution already added to it. I would brine the whole turkey overnight before I grilled it. Um, this um, this brining um, forces kind of to bring some salt and some moisture into the bird, and then it gets exchanged out, and yeah. and it's a more flavorful flavorful bird usually. So. For our listeners, we've been throwing out some terms that you probably have never heard of, like barbecue, indirect heat, um, spatchcocking. Some of those 
if you're not familiar with, you're you're probably just going to like completely go. I have no idea what they're talking about, and turn off this podcast and go to do 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 something else. Basically, spatch uh, spat. Uh, Spatch caulking, whatever it's called, um, is where you basically cut the chicken or turkey or whatever poultry it is basically in half, leaving the the top breast, and you put it straight down where it's flat instead of in, in its whole shape. Yeah, indirect cooking you is cut out, you cut out the the backbone down okay. both sides, and then you take okay. out the backbone, and then. And then you kind of fillet it out a little bit, spread it out a little bit, and then push down on that breastbone until it breaks. Okay. And then you've got this this fully pressed out bird that has it all has contact with the grill. It just cooks way faster. Okay. Um, indirect heating and indirect cooking is where you have your your meat on the non heat side yep. and your heat source is on the opposite side essentially yeah um where it cooks a little slower and you're able to get more juice is that correct yeah it cooks well what happens is by cooking indirect you can take cuts of meat that have more interconnective tissues and fats that take longer to get tender and okay. benefit from a longer cook under indirect heat slash smoke so if Cuts like a brisket or a pork butt do better with indirect heat. And I think ribs do better with indirect heat as well. But but the pork butt and the brisket become these, these juicy, delicious things to eat because you've you've given it time for that for that fat to kind of break down from heat and begin to liquefy and and tenderize the meat even more. So if you start any amount of, you know, YouTubing brisket cooks, you'll they always push the two part two parts of the brisket together and show you the juice coming out of it. Well, yeah. that's kind of a uh well, that doesn't prove that you're any better a cook than anybody else. Um Oh. But, but what it does show you is that breakdown occurred inside those two muscles because a brisket is actually two pieces of meat when you buy a packer cut brisket, yeah. which is that long beastly thing in that cryopack package. Mm-hmm. That um, you're afraid of getting because you've never cooked one before. Right. You've had it at the barbecue place and it's delicious, but you're freaking out because you're like, I want to be able to do it myself because I want to yeah, save a little bit of money. You cook it. You cook it indirect. Sprinkle a fifty-fifty uh, rub of coarse black pepper, coarse kosher salt on all surfaces of that brisket, and then let it cook 12, 15 hours, twelve, six, fourteen, thirteen, whatever it takes. Wow! You're going to wind up with something really succulent, delicious, with a really delicious bark on it well that tells me i did not cook mine long enough (laughs) yeah well there's this school of thought that you can you cook things fast too and it's called this whole hot and fast method um and that is you cook it at 300 degrees indirectly and you get something pretty close to that low and slow method it gets done a lot faster um 
and, and some some people are really happy with that. Uh, I take more of the traditional route when I cook, yeah. and it's the t- it's going to take the time it's going to take. It's not yeah. done until it's yeah. done. So it sounds like there are both patient smokers and impatient smokers, meaning the people behind the smoking. Yeah. Um, Barbecue. And, yeah. You know, it, it's, it's a very delicate battle. You know, for me, I want it now. I guess I'm mm-hmm. a product of my generation. I want it now. I don't want the inconvenience, but I also want to experiment where you a couple years older than I am just barely, um, <laughs> you like the, the low, slow, sit back, relax, enjoy the process. Yeah. And I think that is a great reminder for beginners and novices and master barbecue people, just like yourself of things take time, things, there's no reason to rush. You know, if you're trying to start a, start a Boston bud at three o'clock in the afternoon for dinner, you're not going to, it's not going to happen. Yeah. No, nope. might as well go, go to McDonald's or somewhere else because you're in a, it ain't gonna happen. Yeah, uh, there's there's a craft to grilling and barbecuing, and good crafted food takes time. Yes, it does. Just, just like friendships, just yep. like anything we have um, in our relationships, just like brewing yep. beer or distilling yep. spirits. These are all things that that are craft crafted things that have been mass produced by some people. But others have decided to go more of a crafted route. Yep. They're both really good, but there's nothing like a good smoked pork butt, Boston butt, ribs, uh, flank steak, you know, grilled smoked. Yep. If you're into meat, yep. you're into grilling meat, smoking meat, barbecuing, whatever kind of vernacular you want to use. If you're behind the grill, if you're in front of a stove and you're, feeding for your family or you're, I'm sorry, if you're cooking for your family and being able to produce something that is one of a kind uh, with your, with whatever kind of ingredients that you use as far as like spices and stuff, whatever it takes, just do it. Once you get out of your, 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 your comfort zone and, and you smoke that first Boston, butt, it may end up terrible. Yeah, but it may end up being amazing, and you build off of that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's the most important thing for for any anything in this life is anything worth doing is worth doing well. For sure, yeah, for sure. And and I think to to add on to that, that there's you know there's this because for sure we can say that there's a McRib. And then there's barbecue <laughs> ribs and they're not equal. Not even close. Not even in the same league. You know, the McRib is this bastardization of a couple of traditions in barbecue. I mean, yeah. I mean, nobody in North Carolina would serve chopped or pulled Boston butt pork with pickle chips and <laughs> And a, a tomato and brown sugar, sugar, corn syrup, barbecue sauce. Yeah. You know, they just wouldn't, you wouldn't do it. So I don't, you know, and there's people that love the McRib and that's okay, but they're, they're not the same. And 
The other thing to say is about cooking in general is if you can cook on the grill, you can cook inside. And if you can cook inside, you can cook outside. Yep. That's a, that's a great, a great quote to, to kind of leave with because I, for, even for me personally, when I didn't have a grill, I yearned to be back outside because I knew that I could cook a little better Mm -hmm. outside on the grill. And I've tried tried doing the, you know, the fire pit kind of thing, whatever, uh, smoking a meat, grilling it. And it's just not the same at all for me. I still have a lot of learning to do. I'm not perfect at it. Um, but I would completely agree with that statement though of, you know, if you can cook, cook inside, you can cook outside. Yep. No question. Um, you can follow a recipe. You can do either one. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Rob, thank you so much for joining us, for joining me today on the Shot Dad's Group podcast. Um, if people want to learn more about smoking and grilling and getting kind of some more tips and tricks, mm-hmm. uh, books, websites, you know, wherever, yeah. uh, where can they find that out? Yeah. So YouTube's a great source of all kinds of information. There are a, a plethora of books on Amazon about barbecue Authors like Stephen Racklin and others like that um, do dynamite job with with giving that in book form. The, all of the grill and smoker manufacturers have recipes to follow. There's a lot of great information out there as well. And if you want to look up the Pitmaster Tools VIP group on Facebook, that's the group that I run. Be, I'd welcome you guys to join us on our journey as we learn more about barbecue. We, I shared something about um, Wagyu beef and how it's raised and yeah. how it's rated just today in the group. And so we kind of, I kind of share that and we, we kind of, we kind of take each other's questions and we learn from each other's answers. And it's a, a, a small but growing community where I'm able to share my experiences. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Rob, thank you again for uh, for joining me on the Charlotte Daz Group podcast today. Your friendship and yeah. your knowledge and your mentorship has helped me cook a lot better and grill and smoke a lot better as well throughout the year. So thank you again. You're very uh, welcome, Daryl. My pleasure. Make sure to subscribe to the Charlotte Daz Group podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you listen to podcasts on. And for all things Charlotte Dads Group, make sure to visit www.charlottedadsgroup.com. Thanks for listening, guys.